0: The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. So, Lisa, we are extremely honored Yes. And privileged. Yes, we are to have uh, Dr. Vivian Huang here with us today. Um, she has been going through some pretty tough personal challenges. Not only is she a gastroenterologist, um, currently working at um, Mount Sinai Hospital, which I'm very dear to my heart. That hospital. Um, she is a GI doctor.
1: Yeah. GI doctor. Um, but she has IBD. So it's like. Um She's the president of the company. Absolutely. But she's also a client.
0: Absolutely. And just eight weeks ago, was that Vivian? Is yes. that true? Eight just ago. eight weeks ago, she had um, a surgery. I'm not even going to try to say it.
1: Let's mm-hmm. let Vivian say it. Yes. Vivian? What, what, welcome, what, first of all. Yes,
0: welcome. That's Thank like you, you for being You're more than here. just
1: a uh, post-surgery patient to us. Yes. You are uh, a special person in your own right. Thank yes. you for being yeah. on our podcast. Thank you podcast. for having me
0: absolutely so tell us that what surgery did you have eight weeks ago
1: so it's called total proctocolectomy
2: and end ileostomy so they remove the large bowels of the colon along with the rectum and, and the anal canal and everything and then make your small bowel come out to an end ileostomy
0: an end ileostomy what is that what does an end ileostomy mean
2: so it's a permanent um stoma where your your small bowel comes out and then all of the-
0: so and because your ileum is from the anatomy I believe your the last part of your small bowel right and it's on your right hand side yes. so your ileostomy is on your right hand side lower than your belly button around yes. yes yes okay yes
2: okay okay
0: and this happened 8 weeks ago so we have a GI doctor here with us 8 weeks post surgery like yeah. 8 weeks is not a long time friends no
1: and thank this... you for making the probably very uncomfortable trip <laughs> to yes to talk to us so um, we have a lot to talk. Yeah, we do. We're
0: going to have Vivian more than once.
1: Yeah, we're a couple of episodes yeah, for sure. Yeah. Vivian, how are you physically feeling at this moment? Oh, um,
2: better than I was eight weeks ago or before well, surgery for yeah. sure. Yeah, but it's, it's a long journey. Still tired a little bit and stuff.
1: Are you feeling, uh, do you feel, I guess the first question that comes to mind is putting the, the pain of surgery
0: just aside. to the side, if yeah. you can,
1: for the moment, and I know that's challenging. Do you feel like things have improved? Do you feel like this is a step forward for you?
2: Yes, I, I would say yes, because the that sickness yeah. is gone, like that that the inflammation Crohn's, and the yeah. disease like is gone. Um, so it's more of a post-operative recovery. So this is like right?
0: localized pain, uncomfortable. Yeah. I've never had surgery. Lisa, you had surgery at a young age. Yes. Um, I don't know if you have much memory of it.
1: I do remember feeling that same sort of thing, like the uh, that that sense that now I'm going to recover from the stitches and the stoma and all of that, and then I'm going to feel better at the end of it instead of having another attack. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not comparing them because I had a very different surgery, but... Is that what you're describing? That you have a sense that it will feel better when hoping. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So,
0: did you have your surgery at Mount Sinai? I actually had it at St. Michael's Hospital. That's, oh, right, that's GIs, right. Yeah. St. Michael's Hospital. So, as a as somebody who is, this is my phone. Uh, yeah. I'm not so, as like a doctor, you know. a GI doctor too. Like, it's not just a doctor. Like, this is a GI gastroenterologist right here. Um. Is your recovery right now, is it a day-to-day? Is it a week-to-week? Have you had checkups? Has the doctor said, you know, you're healing well? Yeah, so... Um, oh, do you already know that because you're a doctor? <laughs> no, so believe me, just because you're a doctor,
2: doesn't mean you actually know all this stuff. <laughs> um, so I've seen my surgeon already once and I'm seeing her again next month. Um, and then I saw my stoma nurse, because there's a stoma nurse in the of clinic, um, in the hospital. And then you also have home care nurses that come and check on you. So
0: will so that continue forever or is that just until no you get so the home care, care nurse
2: is pretty much gonna finish up now like because right. they only have a certain number of visits that they help people with until you're independent enough to change your um, stoma appliance, your appliance and, and okay. stuff um, and then I saw the um, hospital stoma nurse twice already um, okay. and th- she's the nurse that's there um, helping patients during the time of the surgery, so right. it's good to see them afterwards as well, a couple of, of times. Of course, of course. Um, and then we'll go from there.
0: And your doctor, your surgeon, upon completing the surgery, was happy with, like, things went well? Yes. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, so that was
2: glad, because what was It's always Crohn's, the first thing
0: I want to know, like- That
2: things went the way- Yeah, everything so. went as
1: planned. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So can you take us back to the beginning of your experience um, with GI issues and you and know, you have take us through. You were
0: it. diagnosed originally with.
2: So I was diagnosed originally with ulcerative colitis, um, and then it became Crohn's. So I can tell you that I actually now talking to you know the doctors along the way. We think I probably had IBD for six years before I was diagnosed, because when wow. I was twelve, I was twelve, so I moved, like my family moved um, from one place to another, and then when I started high school. I started getting diarrhea, like which was right. just out of the blue. And then we blamed it on eating some bad seafood at a Chinese restaurant after a snowstorm. So this is very specific. We were there, it was This snow is what we was a huge factor. <laughs> isn't right. Vancouver, you know, it never snows. And all of a sudden we had a snowstorm. We went out to <laughs> something eat something. Something blew food. in. Yeah. And this is what we think, because my mom got sick. and like I think my dad and my brother got sick, but then they got better. And then I didn't.
0: Oh, so it was like people were sick.
2: Yeah, so we, we think it was like after a snowstorm, probably the fridge, you know, whatever, oh. power went out or something. And then, and we then had the gone people were sick, so
0: sick. that makes sense. You're justifying Yes, it. yes, you're and, normal. And Everybody's that's actually something sick. very
2: common that you hear people say, like, when you're taking their history, too, is that they had food poisoning or something or took antibiotics too. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can't yeah. remember if I took antibiotics or what, but I just remembered that everybody got better. I didn't. So throughout high school, I just always had to go to the bathroom more often than other kids. But then I Are was... Were you noticing
0: blood or
2: anything? I had a little bit initially, and then I think because it went away... Because you see very right, typical blood. yes. So yeah. I think that's why it never really became... Um, alarm. Like, alarm, because the blood disappeared. So, right. you know, then it, whatever it was mm. is gone. But then, so throughout high school, I you know, sometimes I'd walk home and I'd have accidents, and I'm like, oh, gosh, like, what's going on, right? But you're a yeah. kid, you don't want to say anything in high school. I, I just, like, thinking back, I'm like, it makes sense now that... Did you tell your parents that, like, they got better and you didn't? Did you ever... I don't think... I never really brought it up. Like, I think, you know, they could tell that sometimes I wasn't eating. They're like, why aren't you eating? And I said, I just don't feel well.
0: Or that you took then, more frequent bathroom visits. They just That just became a part I, yeah, of Yeah, like, high school. Stress, high
1: school
2: stress. Yeah,
0: you
1: know, like, it's yeah, just kind of like... There's there. always something you can There's just something later.
0: there. And I didn't yeah. really
2: want to talk about it too much. You know, with Asian families, we don't talk about this stuff. And I then know I stopped... no history. No family history that we know of, right? But n- not that Asian people talk about this. Probably because they didn't know. I guess back then, it wasn't. It was th- not thought that people from Asia could have IBD.
0: Right.
1: Um,
2: Northern Hemisphere is most. Yeah. Can like, we
1: can we just take a pause there? Uh, just because I want to. I I don't want to gloss over that. Um, uh, you said uh, in Asian families, you don't talk about these kind of things. So that's stressful. Um, do yeah you, it's like a cultural thing i guess yeah I, I, like, is it because
0: it's bathroom or don't talk about illness
2: both i guess mm. and even the bathroom issue a lot of it's just oh, many I don't, cultures talk, don't talk about that either Caucasian right? people yeah, don't talk about that no. either yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so like i stopped i stopped wanting to go to family reunions i would tell my parents it's like i don't really want to go and they're like why not like you can see all your cousins and i'm like because there's 30 people in two bathrooms right, right? So like, how, <laughs>
1: how honest oh, of an opinion like, is that
0: oh, how honest of a thought that is that, like, I, like family reunions, yeah. I'm going to be in somebody's house, there's going to be 30 people, and I there's only like, two bathrooms. I did the math what do
1: you do? all the time, like, that, too, because I was, I was a, a, quite young when I got yeah. my diagnosis, so I went through from, do. like, 11 to 25, afraid to go, yeah. like, anywhere where I would be forced to share bathrooms. with. Or
0: even have to know? wait in a line. Like, yeah. if right. I go to a concert yes. and I have to wait in a line...
1: So and then was, knowing
0: someone's gonna go in there after me. Yes. Yeah. So you're like
1: what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So that was like, my like high school, and then, and then I went to university, and then I guess then the stress, like, stress. I think that's my my trigger. I don't know. It's fine. So, I
0: was in university and I was diagnosed. Yeah.
2: So I went to university, and then things just got worse, and I had more diarrhea, and I had to take a bus for like 30 minutes. I'm like, good gosh. Oh lord. Right?
0: So I would like try to time
2: the bus trips and everything. I'm like and then it and was did you were you was your eating being
0: affected at this like your yeah, general yeah. like health.
2: i tried like you don't eat healthy like you don't eat much and then when you do eat i found i was eating like muffins you know because they tasted good right right but it's not really healthy and then it was actually i can't i think it was like after a midterm or something i had a near accident and then I was, like, trying to change in the bathroom. And I got out of the bathroom, and there was, like, a lineup. Because it was, like, a two-stall bathroom. there oh. worst nightmare. like, oh, oh, my God, what's going on? And then the blood started coming back. And then I was like, no, I need to.
0: So this is your help. first time seeing the blood since high school, now that Probably, you're in
2: university. Oh yeah. If I th- when I think about it, Blood yeah. noticeable
0: anyways, if yeah. your, your memory is And I was like, it.
2: something's not right. So then that's when I insisted, like, I got to go get this look into. So then, and I also wanted a female gastroenterologist.
1: Very, right? specific. very specific because and they're not easy to find no it's.
2: they're true. not and there was only one female gastroenterologist this was in surrey so there was only one person and luckily i got in to see her and she did a short scope the flexible sigmoidoscopy, yeah, flexi- yeah. and i actually <laughs> i actually got to watch it because i was unsedated me too and then it was like back then now i'm like oh my gosh i scoped like that back then. <laughs> it was <laughs> a very I... old like scream and, and it was like at that time when the gastroenterologists were transitioning from looking directly into the scope Oh, to TV to, to actually seeing on a TV. So she said, uh-huh. "Why don't you watch if you're interested?" And and I got to see my own like. It's important colon. to me to see my colon.
0: Right, I know that yeah. No, sounds ridiculous. No, remember it does Because you want to see what is causing you your it? symptoms. Yes. yes, I need and, to see yes. it.
2: So at that time, it, she said it looks like ulcerated. You know. So then she started me on it was an acid if I remember, the little red pills. And then she gave me all these things to read. You know, which wasn't very much at that time for but patients. It was better than Google,
0: I suppose. I would hope.
2: I guess we didn't have Google back then. Yeah, <laughs> Nineteen ninety-six. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. I'm reading this stuff, and I'm like, okay, like it's ulceritis. Like then I'll just take this medicines. And I wasn't very good at it. And What were
0: you going to school for at this time?
2: So that was an. Um, I was at UBC, so I was doing science and. So did you have like a textbook background information of? Not of IBD. Okay. So I'm actually come from a medical, because my dad's a family doctor. And I, my, and I always had this interest in like learning about like the human body. So I'm, I can't find these books now. But back then they had these little cartoon books for kids. And this is why now when I try to explain to people what IBD is, I go back to what I, when, when I was reading stuff like as a kid. They explained to kids about inflammation. Mm. So not just IBD, but this is just how to explain to kids about immune system. And you had the good warriors and the bad warriors. So the white cells were like these little army men. And then like the bacteria and the viruses and all that were these little red like blobs. Uh, blobs. Yeah. And so you would be fighting. And then they would try to teach that to kids and saying like your immune system are like little armies, little white cells that fight stuff. Right, so that always fascinated me. And then- Sounds then like, like
0: Dr. Mike Evans' video. Yes, exactly. On so IBD. that video, that's I That's exactly what it's. says. little army guys, it. and they're just like running <laughs> around in the colon. Yeah, like. so
2: <laughs> that's how I try to explain what IBD is now, right, like, to people. But like thinking back, and I was like, there's not much at that time, 1990s, I don't think people really understood. And so she told me I had ulcerocytis, and I guess because of the definition of the disease is from like the anal, the end, the anal verge, onwards and yeah. that's what she saw when she did the scope but she did the short scope so she said you know sometime later you probably need a full colonoscopy to see if
0: it extends further. yeah her.
2: extends and then when she did that one, i took biopsies everywhere she said yes you do have the whole colons involved like on the biopsies they all said it was some active colitis and the small bowel was so normal. was it like
0: a pan colitis at this yes. point
2: okay um and the small bowel at that time was normal so then it was still ultra colitis and then so I just kept taking these little tablets, little red asacol tablets, but I never had back to normal. Like n- now that I think back, I am like, I never went back to normal. Like never went back to normal stools. Like once you had subsiding. Always had like three to four, or five looser bowel movements. Still I some urgency. Still never like back to normal. But that was just the way it was, right? Yeah. So it and then normal. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that's you just you're taking your meds and no bleeding, right? So you know. No and mucus. You're managing. You're managing. Yeah. You're managing. And I remember only having the FlexSig and then the colonoscopy. And I think that was it because then very quickly, then I moved. Like, I didn't get into medical school right away, but I worked and stuff. And then when I finally got in, I had to go away. Like, I had to move across the country to, get in, to go to med school. And then you're leaving more. And that, I think, anymore. then triggered more stress because I was like, well, what do I, how do I deal with this chronic illness in another province? So I have to figure out the healthcare system there. At Queens and Kingston, and then had to figure out like how do I, where do I live, and all this stuff from high yeah. school, and Even who's going you're to help you? This is stressful. a stressful time. Oh well, in stressful God. is
1: one of the most stru- moving like is one of the most stressful, stressful. experiences in at- life.
2: But then, so then they, they said, "Don't worry, you know, all first-year students in med school, anything first year in Queens, you get to go into their
0: um, their residency, the residency
2: program, the residency yeah. thing." So I was like, "Great, I have a place to stay." So is they public put
0: bathroom.
2: you. Oh, it is. So they put they put me in this it's um, a as a residence meant for like professional students, so adult students, so that you wouldn't have to live with these like eighteen-year-olds <laughs> <And then laughs> 18 but, <laughs> but it was like half an hour away from the main campus.
1: And Oy. I was on the
2: floor with 12 people with like two bathrooms.
1: Oh and I god. Was
2: like, Oh my god. So very quickly I was like, I need to get out of here. Have
0: you did you disclose to the university that you had UC? I don't think I did at that time. Do you feel like if you did that accommodations would have been made for you essentially? I I think in retrospect,
2: probably. Because yeah. I keep hearing things now that many universities are like are doing. accommodating. Right. So at that time I was like, well, I'm not telling anyone anything. No one's gonna know anything, right? but you're going to the bathroom good. at three
0: o'clock in the morning well
2: it's not it's just horrible because like you you have to time to get up early before the other 12 or 11 uh-huh. people get up uh-huh. but then they have the cafeteria there so You had the option to eat there or the like go to the campus where your classes are but then i realized that like, if i ate there then my bowels would start like acting up and then i would have to wait for the shuttle
0: and then you have to, take travel. A time
2: to travel. So eventually, like after, it, I was only there for like the first semester, so, but it took me like maybe a month to figure out like, don't eat. Just get up, use the bathroom, brush your teeth, shower, get on the little shuttle. So go to the, the, the stress thing. Anxiety, and anxiety. Like, oh my
0: God. Oh, yeah.
2: Like I'm, how, feeling it. I'm feeling you, it. You had to
0: have been for living some. anxious the whole time.
2: So that's when you learn to cope or deal. Like, and I realized that that's what a lot of people do that have chronic disease, any chronic disease. Yeah. And it shouldn't be that way.
0: Mm. Right? Like, Amen, like sister. Like, and that's what I'm trying to change with mm-hmm. like
2: everything I do is like and and it's the stigma. And unfortunately people still have stigma, right? Of course, huge. Right? And and no matter what you can t- can't do anything about it. Like people are just going, why do you go to the bathroom all the
1: time? We're like, well, whatever. I'm like, uh, because I have to go. It's like right? why are you <laughs> like, asking me these know. questions? <laughs> you know, why do you have it's two eyes? It's <laughs> like, funny, oh, I think yeah. uh I think uh probably every, the common thread with uh, people that we've spoken to who uh, have been dealing with either Crohn's or colitis, is just this issue that becomes managing the details of their life, like you, th- these their adult this life control. Yeah, y- you yeah. you wind up with a control problem because you have like i cannot put it in somebody else's hands i have yeah, to be responsible to. for my own
0: and it's so daily pattern because it's
1: not like yours you don't understand yeah. i have all these other details i have to deal with
0: and it's so unpredictable which gives you even more like that's why it's even harder to give up give it up to somebody else to allow them to help you because hundred, it's like no it's yeah, so unpredictable. you don't know what's
2: coming like and then people don't get that, too, because, like, the first thing that I check out whenever I go somewhere is, where is the bathroom? bathroom <laughs> yeah. Right? And, how and and many people like,
0: use this bathroom? Get... Is oh, he I clean. need to go inside. Let oh, me go oh, inside. If something terrible
1: God. were to happen in this bathroom, how far outside the bathroom would <laughs> yeah. you have to be yes, I know. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so
2: eventually I, I did move into the graduate residence, which was just, like, on main campus. Got my own little apartment thing, which is, like, a one- Ba- one bathroom, tiny little bathroom with like a tiny little room. But it was your own bathroom. So Yeah, I'm going
0: to live here. Oh this my is the God. best 200 square feet ever. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah. and,
2: then, and then I moved out into my own apartment, and I always live in my own apartment since. But yeah, so your, my friends would be like, why don't you share, like, like you know, because it's For cheaper. For money, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I cannot share like an apartment with strangers. I cannot, like, nothing. No. Right, you just no. can't. So uh, every other thing after that, I realized, you know, when, when they go for, like, uh, med school trips or residency uh, where you're supposed to get to know each other and everybody, like, bunk beds. Well, I'm like, no! I was like, I'm So you own. opted out of those things? Well, no, I would go, but then I would try to request, like, my own bed. My keep own your bed. So, yeah, so, like, it, it's like no matter, you can't not, it cannot, no, you can't not affect you or you can't yes. not let it affect you, but you can try to get.
0: Get mm-hmm. around things. Get around. You can try it. to manage it. Yeah, manage it. You have to find your normal. And oh. you have to make your That's own accommodations. Very true. If no one accommodates for you, you have to. And do you yourself. have to advocate
2: for you. This is what the other thing I learned along the way is like, no matter how often I would tell. So I eventually had to transfer to a GI in Kingston because it was really hard, like long distance, of trying course. to call back to my GI in BC. Oh, she said, why don't I just refer you to someone there and you can see? And I was referred to the general clinic first because I wasn't like, I was just on five ASA, like asacol, yeah. so I think they just felt well. You can just see like whoever, and I was I I was so frustrated because every time I would say I'm having urgency, you know, streaks of bleeding. I think I'm flaring. Can can you do something? They're like, oh, it's just IBS, so irritable bowel syndrome. Oh my god!
0: I just want to flick. And I want like, I want to flick elastics at people's faces when they it's say different. That it's different.
2: It's the same. It's different. You can have IBS and IBD, right? Absolutely. But you, but you, it's different. So. So I was so frustrated because I would keep going, and then they would just label me as like stress
1: and IBS,
2: and then I said no. I said do a a, a flexing, and, and then then they would see, you and they see said, it. oh, you do have disease. I'm like, I told you. But did, did they oh not did that not
1: information not get transferred from your West Coast Yes, doctor but to your? because You're still
2: attributing it to I, stress. But because I had a diagnosis of ulcerative colitis, and when I had the flares. Right. You, when you flare, you don't get the blood until it's already really inflamed. Now I know that, right? Because now I've studied this and, and stuff. But before, it, before you get to the point where you have bloody diarrhea, even with ulcerative clitis, you will have the inflammation starting, right? And, and there's people, other symptoms. I get ulcers. Yes. You'll, you'll get joint yes. pain. You'll get other symptoms of inflammation I before it becomes I
0: get stu- like massive <laughs> oh. things on my legs. So that's, that's
2: what I, that's my aim now is to try to get doctors to all understand that because his <laughs> textbook is like ulcerative blood and all this stuff. So then, but then when they kept scoping, they're like, yeah, you know, you have this inflammation in the rectum and sigmoids, so take the enemas and all this stuff. But then mm, I guess the first major flare, major, major flare was, I, w- I was in like doing my service rotation. Um, and I think I was a first year resident at that time. And it was so stressful again. So waiting for a call, stress, stress, and trying to like not let anyone know I had this disease. And then I started noticing the blood again and then all this. So I went booked an appointment back to see my GI. And the GI actually was one of my supervisors before. He's like, "Why didn't you tell us you were that sick?" And I'm like, "Because I didn't want any special treatment." Oh my god, you go in and it's like one of your teachers. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's
0: like, you also
2: don't want like sometimes also we don't want to tell people that we have a disease because we course. don't want to be treated of special. Of course, of course. So he said, "Why didn't you just tell us?" And I said, "Because I don't want to be treated. I want to finish my my training just like everybody else."
0: Sorry, we just need to stop there and say like this is a med student. Was a there's, med student at the there's time. There's probably but lots of med students talking to their doctor, and even and even there. You would think, Med student, a doc, I need to tell you. Yeah. Considering
1: you know all about. Th- I've got you but here. Th- Stay here and yeah. help me. But yeah. even
0: still, we're still people still have that anxiety that I don't want to be labeled, and this is doctors.
1: Yeah.
2: And there are a lot of doctors out there that have, I'm sure, like IBD. You know, and maybe not like gastroenterologists have IBD, but I'm they're sure. not going to talk about it because, you know, who who do they talk to, and yeah. how do they accommodate it at work, right? So anyway, so that was the first time I went on prednisone, and I was like, oh wow, it made me feel better. Like within hours, because sometimes it's fast, it's right? So and fast. I was like, oh, this is like it makes me, f-. and then I blew up like a chipmunk, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> people are like, oh, you gained so much one face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then I was like, oh, oh my God, it's like no, I'm not, I'm not picking out and, eating, and you were probably, but probably eating was. the best that you've ever eaten, considering
1: right. I felt you were hundred like percent better. You felt better, yeah. I just wanted to check in there. I know, because, and I like, did the the magic of the steroids. It's that like you're like, yeah. oh, Mandarin
0: fixed. I'm fixed. When I'm on prednisone and I go to Mandarin, like. You probably eat up the Clear whole the thing. way, folks. Clear the way. Oh, <laughs> like, that's funny. Is there a seating limit? How fast do I have to eat? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah.
2: And then my parents took me and my brother. We, we all went on a family trip like to Hawaii.
0: While on prednisone? Yeah. So
2: that was not good because when I came back, like I gained like 20 weight, 20 pounds. And then everybody was like, oh. And I, I didn't tell people I would, like, was on the prednisone. I just, oh, I went to Hawaii and had a good time. And, like ate <laughs> lots. But then, so they managed to get off. And then I think it was... After that, what did I you went, go on after? Yeah, prednisone? I went on to Imuran, so is oh, okay. a Oh, I went on
1: that. Me too. Yeah,
2: and it's like, I didn't want to go on, but then of course, then I went on prednisone, they're like, you have to go on something. So then they went out on a short, did you remember, like they had a shortage of Imuran at some point or something?
1: Yes, right? and I then, do remember it that. it was
2: just awful. So then we had to like find a pharmacist that would have the Imuran. And oh eventually I went to six, I went to the other one, the 6-mercaptopurine thing. But then it was more expensive. Anyway, so we went back to the Imuran when it came back onto the market. And I stayed on that for a while,
0: and that was managing, sort of, or the same as the 5ASA was. Yeah, it was was just
2: like better, but the same. Because then I remembered going having to go back on another course of prednisone. So you weren't managing then. So then I wasn't. So in retrospect, like I have everything at home. Like I actually learned how to plot this all, and I actually recommend that any patient with IBD that has a long history should actually plot it for themselves. So they can see, so they can see and tell the next doctor they see. What the courses were right yeah. because when I when I then then and they were really good to me at, at uh, Kingston <laughs> I was at Kingston because I told them like when I got into GI like eventually I decided I want to do internal medicine and I want to do GI so I can help people did with you GI. decide
0: that because you had IBD. I think so yeah
2: because initially a long time ago I was going to be a family doctor because I wanted the holistic approach to help patients and then along the way I was like, maybe I should be an internist or a pediatrician and then I wanted to help People with GI diseases from like young adulthood or teenagers throughout adulthood. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like what I had to go through, but help others.
1: Or what I had to go through. Right. Yeah. Well, but you, you can't, it you can't
2: you... do that. You can't train. So, so, in Canada, you can either be in a pediatric gastroenterologist or an adult gastroenterologist. A pediatric is to 18? About 18. And then they transition. So, when I was trying to decide family, internal, surgery, whatever, peds, I actually emailed all the pediatric gastroenterology uh, program directors, and I said, what's the oldest that you can help your patients? And then they all said, around 18, like, you have to transition to an adult. So then I emailed all the adult gastroenterologists, and I said, what's the youngest that you can treat people? And they said, like, 14, 16, sometimes they're allowed to start helping. So you just had to go with that one? Well, yeah. I had to go I, with I, this so, one. Because so I said like, to myself, I said, I don't think I'd be happy being a general pediatrician. Like if I didn't get into pediatric GI, I would have to be a general pediatrician. I didn't like PE that much. But I said, if I didn't get into adult GI, I could still be an adult uh, internist and help right. people with and illness. Pos- and teens. And teens, right? Yeah. And so that's why I chose internal medicine. I actually did like surgery. I remember I, as a student, and we, were allowed, we had to do rotations, and then we were allowed to scrub in on surgeries. And I was so fascinated by like, general surgery. surgery. But I, I felt at that time, who knows if it was true or not, but I felt at that time with my illness, there was no way I could live Enough? through residency or be a surgeon. Mm. Right, because if, if at any time you have to run to the bathroom, like right. can you imagine you're, you're like, you know. Like because what were you, disease was you for me. <laughs> right. Yeah, sorry. I'm just like, going to time out. out probably be about 15
0: right? minutes. Like, and I realize <laughs> that this person is cut open on the table right now. Time out. I'm going to be right back. <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom. You just Be right can't. back, guys. You come, you come running yeah. in. Time in. Right. Time you in. <laughs> I was
2: like, I couldn't do that. But wow. I really respected the surgery. Like, And do you know what the trick was? Do you know? So I live off insure now still. Even when I didn't have flair, I still drink sure. I'm shirt. assuming you still drinking sure because you're. I'm still op. drinking it now, yes. and I remember this is so funny. I was a med student doing my surgery rotation, and the the surgery like it was a colorectal fellow, so like he was already doing extra training to be um, specific surgery for the colon, and he went to grab like an sure from the fridge, and I'm like, what are you doing? I said, <laughs> for patients, and he said, oh, Vivian, like when you're on when you're like surgery residents or fellows we have no time to eat you know like we're on call all the time and the nurses told us that these are like patients don't want these
0: this is the best things thing.
2: right like sometimes patients don't take everything on their tray and then of it goes course, to waste back, yeah. so they actually kept them for the surgery and so he said trust me Vivian. i said oh but the patients all said that they were gross right and i had tried some insure myself like uh, some some time along there and this so he told me a trick so for any patient who can't stand insure but has to he Insurance. said, put it in the fridge, and then, then it'll be cold. Yeah. And then he said, if, you are, if you're able to tolerate uh, milk or some kind of milk product or something yeah. like that, mix it, dilute it. So half and half, or dilute it with water, and then it's like a milkshake.
1: So could oh you mix God, it I... with coconut milk?
2: I think any kind of, like, oh gosh, milk we test can stuff. Do this with stuff. That's boost, a revolution! No, so, so that's revolution. Like, <laughs> I have, like,
0: insurance boost coupons that I just hoard so no, that when it's so, time, so that's can like, just go. So that's what <laughs> he
2: taught me that trick. Like, and he was a surgery fellow, and he learned that, right? And he said he, that's what he helped his patients with. So he would tell his patients, because from surgery, they always want their patients, like, you know, strong for the surgery. Absolutely. So. so that's what he tells them. He says, dilute it, put it in the fridge, half and half water, as long as you sip it throughout the day.
0: I don't I like know what, wow. i <laughs> that. Blows my mind. You know what, the boost the aren't awful too when you first start drinking them, but it's the consistency yes, of I have to thick. drink this three times a day yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, going to yeah. be for however many weeks I I'm going to pretend like, this is a steak <laughs> this time. <laughs> it's oh, so hard.
1: Yeah.
0: It's so hard.
1: Yeah, if you could change if you could change the the flavor just a little bit or you could change the yeah, consistency yeah, just, just a little bit and now i've
2: discovered so now being post-op i had to like oh you have to drink like eight liters of oh no what is that? Yeah. eight cups two yeah. liters eight cups of fluid a day and i'm like how am i supposed to drink all this so you, you make smoothies out of like ensure and you
1: just yeah just want to uh. pause to say uh, hey ensure if you're uh. listening <laughs> We don't have any sponsors for this podcast yet. And uh, that, oh, I just see a beautiful go. opportunity there. A beautiful exactly. Problem. Just okay. to okay. tie so, in. All right.
2: Yeah, so I learned a lot along the way. I realized from just, like, other trainees or fellows or just people. And not but, staff doctors, but like
0: people. Yeah.
2: And it was just very interesting.
0: So eventually your diagnosis was Crohn's.
2: So it changed. So it changed because then every when I came to Toronto to do my GI training, then, of course, it flared again. Uh, and uh, like they had scoped me in Kingston before I left to make sure everything was good, and they said, oh, everything looks good. You have a small patch at 50 centimeters, um, but don't worry about it. Like It's just there. Okay. I'm like, okay. So I come to Toronto July, and then of course start a new thing, flare. new place, new everything. Oh, right. And then I started having diarrhea, but not blood. So I'm like, oh, it's just IBS, right, right is right, what right, I was right, thinking. Right. <laughs> And then I had an abscess. I'm like, what the frick is this oh, thing? Oh, man. I've You can swear. I'm like, what is this? We say
0: shit and ass and
1: everything. I okay. I was okay. like, <laughs> this
2: is not supposed to get pain in the bum and all this stuff.
0: So I your had, abscess was close to the rectum. Yeah, it was like right there. Yeah. And so I
2: went to the merge, but, okay, so then this was my other problem. I said, I didn't want anybody that I trained with to know I had IBD again, right? Secret new place, I can start afresh,
0: mm-hmm. so I had,
2: I got a referral to somebody way out in is I don't know, somewhere, I won't name him, but anyway, somewhere elsewhere, so of course I decided to go to the merge that, his, that was the hospital yeah. that he belonged right. to, right. and so I had to take, what did I do, that time I took the um, bus or something, GO bus or whatever, that was horrible, oh God, and then I went book. to you're the merge.
0: transportation. And uh, this is go my other advice. To another city. Yeah. Do not, to like, anyone emerge. who has IBD
2: who has perianal disease, do not go to, like, go to Emerge. But don't let the Emerge cut it. Because I oh. went to Emerge and then they, they did a good job. But, like, when you have IBD and perianal disease, it just keeps going. Right? Like, because they try, yeah. so should, describe so, what an abscess is. So an abscess is like a, yeah. like a giant boil
0: yeah. in
2: your butt. Yeah. So like right next to the rectum or like the anals So it's,
0: uh, it's on the external. It's um, so like that's, that's, it, that's I mean. the
2: important thing why it needs to be investigated more because when you have abscess and perianal disease, it can be complicated. Like it can actually be from the inside coming, coming out, out or it could just be a superficial skin abscess. Right. But sometimes if it goes through your sphincter, so sphincter is the muscle where like when you have to go, you, clo- yeah. like you right. tighten up your muscles so you don't go. But if the abscess goes through there... It and someone cuts it. Yeah, if someone cuts it wrong, you can damage the sphincter, or you know, it could be a fistula. It could already have developed to this track between yeah, so your a colon. Is when it connects. Right? Yes, right. And because Crohn's or like IBD-related abscess and fistulas can be quite complex, then it shouldn't really be dealt with by non-surgeons. I feel
0: like bacteria could easily spread.
1: well exactly so that's how it builds
2: up it's like think of a giant abscess on your face right but then eventually that just pops or something right so abscess if it's deep enough it doesn't just pop until it actually gets big and then you can get like infection and everything so I went to emerge and it was more of a superficial so they just cut it. it to drain it right and then they said oh, you need to get it packed or something. I'm like, oh, that's awful. That sounds
0: horrible. I'm you know, so fearful. they pack it, I had to have one yes, on they my stick leg. This... They, they put all yes. the stuff in, and then oh. they have to keep changing it. When they change oh, it, they have God. to pull out all the stuff, repack it. Yes. Because they can't stitch it because so no, it's so big. because they hole. need
2: it to heal from the inside yeah. out. So I said, but that's I can't pretty- keep coming like 40-minute bus to you guys to pack. So they said, well, any family doctor or walk-in clinic can pack. So I found a walk-in clinic close to where I lived. Because I didn't want to take time off work either, so I would go there, they would pack it, and then I would go to my rotations, like, take the TTC, like, oh my god, that was horrible! It was horrible! So I was like, I can't do this. But I don't know how I did it back then, but I did it, and I would bring my little, um, they told me to get a wash bottle so that when you're at work and it gets dirty or whatever, you can wash yourself, so... And I was doing a rotation at Sunnybrook at that time. and It took me 40 minutes to get there. So I would actually plan right. it out that I would have you know, give myself an extra half an hour.
0: And while, while abscesses are healing, like, they're, still, they're still, I don't know it's, if they're it's leaking, sore. but they're, yeah. Yeah, they're sore. They're and sore. They're, still, they're still liquid. There's still yeah. stuff there. Like think about any wound you'd have. There's still a need to clean it. it. You don't want it to get. Of course. Hard. You don't want. You don't want scatty. it to. Cl- yes. You don't want
2: like, it to get closed or infected like before it heals. Yeah.
0: Like you. There's. Yeah. Oh. So
2: that one, it did heal out okay in the end, and then I, I was given antibiotics as well, like to make sure it doesn't become more infection, and then things kind of settled. So we just left it, the GI and I, but then again, the next year, again, I blame Chinese food. I don't know. I That's went to a wedding. Coming. I went to someone's wedding, and then I had some Chinese food. But then also I think it was a stress as well, because in your in the May of your your first year specialty program, so your fourth year of internal medicine, we have to write a licensing exam for internal medicine. So, you know, during my whole first year of GI, I was trying to learn GI, but also having to study all these other like other things so I can pass my exam. And I think all that stress also was slowly building up. Yeah. Right? And then I wrote my exams, did my oral exams, and then ate this Chinese food or whatever. Because then in September of my second year in my GI program, everything started again. But then I started getting blood. And so anytime I see blood, like that to me like and it's triggers. W- it's
0: weird that we wait until the blood, Right.
2: And that's like, wrong. And now, yeah. so that's why it's actually changed the way I practice too. And, I, and like a lot of what I study is how to predict people are going to flare before they actually before get they so get bad. Before they get the blood, yeah. But for me at that time, I was still learning. So I'm like, OK, it's IBS. I, everybody says it's IBS. And, and then, OK, blood. I know blood is not not IVF, so then the GI said, "Okay, come and get a scope." But then by that time, I was having like 12 bloody bowel movements a day, and I was doing my rotation in. um, I remember this: I was doing my rotation in liver transplant, which means we have to get up really early, and I had to get up earlier so I can go to the bathroom and all this. And then we had to be rounding by six in the morning. I remember, and I'm not a morning person, like never. Yeah, you start doing your rounds. So I'm like, oh my god. So like, is it all this change in like? You know, diet schedule. and schedule. Who knows? So I got the scope, and it's funny too because I remember this. I was kind of groggy. Like I was. I wanted was to watch. Black as no, well? this was a full colon right? at this be, time because he wanted to see what everything looked like and get in a small bowel. And I remember waking up afterwards, and I was challenging my GI. I said, "That looks pretty bad," and then he said well, you know, um, come back and see me, you know, like in two weeks or whatever. And I said, no. I said, I need to go back and do my rotations, like, like you know, the next day. I said, what are you going to give me now? Like, how am I going to go? I said, I have, a, like, a going to the bathroom 12 times a day. I have this a male a score of nine. a good question.
0: Like, she should be demanding this. Right, you're, and so you're patients... You're on the
1: table at this point. Um, no, like, afterwards, like, like, recovered
0: or when whatever. When the gas is flowing. Okay. I, but I vaguely
2: yeah. remembered seeing, yeah. like, the red and the ulcers and all yeah. that. And then so I said to him, and I said... You know, I've learned this. I said, I've learned my IPG and GI, and it says if you have this many bowel movements, or whatever, you're a male score of nine, and you should go on prednisone.
0: So he did actually throwing at her all this. I said, What are you just she, she, she she just going again. with this? It was,
2: text it was so funny. Because then he said, Oh, oh yeah, I guess okay. Uh-huh. So then, so he gave me uh-huh. prednisone, yeah. and he did give me prednisone. But I remember at that time that it doesn't didn't work as well as it did the first time. Um, mm. And he was already working down the Remicade. Like at that time, Remicade was the only one like on the market, and he was already starting that process. So, I, you so in remic- I knew he was starting it, but then I was on prednisone two weeks, but I was still having blood, still going wow. to the bathroom like six times anyway. a day. So then I would call in and I'd say, um, so like, when can I start the Remicade? Like, you yeah, know, when is this what's going on and all this stuff. So then they triggered the Remicade and I finally got it. And I was expecting to feel like 100% better after but I didn't. Like it's I felt better. It's also a slow
0: moving drug too. You need to give yeah, it time to right? so Some
2: people respond really quickly, like, tell us like in three days that they're better, but not me. So what I was, think it
0: acts like prednisone, like- <sighs> Yeah, throat? so I was like,
2: I slowed down the prednisone taper a bit, like instead of like the five every week that you do, like we cut it down um, slower. And then I got the Remicase 0, too. and then I got another abscess, I think just before the third dose or something. And I'm like, what
0: the heck? Like, isn't oh. Remicase supposed to prevent these abscess things? Apps is in the same location, generally. I think it was the same
2: one, and oh. then I went back to that eMERGE, and I remember this too, because that guy was, this eMERGE doc said, oh, no, 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 like, it might be deeper. You got to do a CT scan, and I said, oh, my God, I said, I can't drink, like, the CT the dye or whatever. Right. So then yeah. it did the CT from the bottom, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, if you're not going to drink it,
0: then we have to put it up We the have above. to put it in. <laughs> 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 hey, oh, you know I what, that might God. actually be better than drinking it, anyway. sure.
2: So yeah, so I've been through all these tests. It's horrible. So they did that. He goes, okay, it's okay. He said he, he reviewed it with a radiologist, and it was just a contained, like, not involving the anal sphincter, or nothing. Yeah. So they drained it, but he gave me the local freezing, and it, which the other guy didn't the first time, anyway. So drained it, gave me antibiotics, but only the one dose, because then he said, don't worry, once it's drained, like the infection's gone. So then I called my GI afterwards. I'm, um, so you know, should I go back on antibiotics? Or what's going on? Should I keep going with Memicade? And in retrospect, I should not have taken that dose of Remicade, because I was already having some symptoms down below, but I didn't realize it was an abscess, like I was just having irritation as yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. But now I'm thinking back, it was like an abscess. And if you have an abscess or any infection, you shouldn't take You that, shouldn't be taking You shouldn't biologic. take the biologic, right? Yeah. You're supposed to get, wait. So anyway, so we kept on Remicade, but then I s- told him that the when I had to wait to eight weeks, I said it wasn't really working, like, like I felt like I couldn't wait till eight weeks. And at that time, ramucir was still new. That's two thousand twelve-ish. So I guess it was only on the market for a bit. So not everybody was comfortable as we are right. now with adjusting doses. So I did get a referral into someone at Mount Sinai who's no longer there. Bless his soul. Oh, um, doctor Greenberg. Yeah, doctor Greenberg. Yeah. And yeah. he, doctor Greenberg, was like the leader. Like he, he was. Already adjusting doses for people and shortening infusions and everything. I was
0: fortunate enough to have a colon. I know that sounds weird. I was fortunate enough to have a colonoscopy done by Dr. Greenberg um, at a time that Dr. Silverberg wasn't able to. See he also her. has a
2: very unique way of doing a yeah, scope. he's
0: he is an interest. He was. yes yeah. since passed recently within the last yeah, two, two years. years yeah, yeah. Um, but such he was. He's just very fantastic. kind. Very kind and so open and honest yeah. and just he, like very raw which for me was like the most refreshing thing i was like yes
2: brilliant he actually yeah. he looks like when you're a trainee we were all scared of him he's very <laughs> intimidating you're very intimidated yeah. by him because he just knew everything and he would ask you stuff and you wouldn't know but he would only ask you because then he would challenge you, and then you would go look it up, right? And then he was like, "Come back tomorrow and tell me what you found, right?" But when you first meet him, you're like, "Oh my gosh, this guy is like, oh, like whatever."
1: So he was so. <laughs> I was so nice. like Gordon Ramsay. <gasps> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <Carter> Ramsay <of laughs> Gordon Ramsay. Gordon <laughs> Ramsay.
2: So he was. He shortened my infusions, then said, "Let's see how it goes." And then he sculpted a short scope, and then he said, "Yeah, it looks better, right?" So I'm like, "Great, you know, this is good." But then it was in that. March. So we have an annual conference in GI called the CDDW, the Canadian Digestive Disease Week. And it happens every February of every year. And until that year, I was always thinking of going to community to be a community general gastroenterologist and maybe do a hepatology and then a, make some kind of hepatology IBD training for myself. So Which I'd is go, important
0: because blood study, right. that's super important in IBD. And that's
2: what I was going to do until until that February. And I distinctly remember this panicking totally afterwards after I went there and I went to some people's posters I presented my poster my research and I was like oh I need to study this more like I need to study I need to do more training in IBD so I could learn more so I could develop more so I could help people more was basically I think along my way of thinking I didn't know what I was going to end up doing for career along the way (laughs) you just knew you weren't going on the right path
0: right now (laughs) (laughs) I
2: went to my program director and I said "Uh, I have a change of career I said I need to do a fellowship But if you understand this medical world, fellowships are gone like a year or two years before uh, your time. So by that time, all the fellowships were gone in Canada, like Mount Santa was gone. Like Everybody was gone. She even looked in the States for me. Of course, States, you have to plan it out three years in advance. So I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Then Edmonton opened up one, I think it was like April or March or April, and she told me, oh... Like talk to these people. I'm like, where is Edmonton? Like honestly, I'm like, <laughs> it's <laughs> just, I'm just like, where is and, I, and I was like, I knew Edmonton. I remember studying this in my geography class. Like, where is Edmonton? Who are these people? Anyway, we've talked so a lot
0: about Edmonton our past episodes. They, yeah. yeah, yeah. So
2: I, they're they're awesome there. So I I did a Skype interview because I knew I was in Toronto and didn't have like a time or ability to fly over. And we did the Skype interview and I met all the doctors there. And then they said, Did he yeah, disclose you
0: at IBD? No.
2: So not uh-huh. yet. But then. I, I then I panicked because I said, "Oh my God! Like I'm going to Edmonton. I need a new GI, right? Because it's too hard." The reality kicked in. Right? Yeah. Right. Reality kicked in. So yeah. I said to Dr. Greenberg, "I said, um, who do you know in Edmonton?" Of course, it was my supervisor, which my whole name is right now. Too. <laughs> but I was like, "Okay, great." Um, this guy, yeah. who's my
0: boss, is also going to look at my rectum <laughs> all the time. But like, that,
2: that is not going to work, right? But that was the only person he knew. So. But I needed my Remicade continued, so I needed someone to prescribe it that was a gastroenterologist. But, so here's the other catch. I also was flaring at that time because I had... Before you moved. Before I moved, again, because I had a car accident in May. Because before I had decided to do more training in IBD, I was going to do community. So I went to go work with someone in the community and had a car accident. And that probably triggered, of course, the flare with the moving and all this stuff. And the exam. We also had to do a GI exam in October after you finish your GI program, so I was moving. I had a car accident, and I had to figure out like a new GI. Or who's going to manage my disease? You're starting your forth. life over. And, yeah, basically, and I had to study for this GI exam, and so then I flared. I had to go back on prednisone, and he was also like Greenberg, and he was really good about like being the forefront of science or whatever you want to say. So he was already escalating people on remicade, like everything. So we reinduced me, um, and it kind of helped a bit. On the prednisone, but like always, when you get off prednisone, that's when you really can tell. You've
0: been on prednisone a lot.
2: Yes, yeah, it's, it's bad. You sound like drawing. me? I've been so, on prednisone so basically, for six years. yeah. So Are basically, after two thousand twelve or two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, on and off, on and off, on and off. So, in it was two thousand thirteen that. We said, "Oh my gosh, this remicade is not going to work." Like I had a level of like 20 something, right? And we were already learning about levels then. And We're like, "That's way too high. It's not not working." And but there's nothing else on the market at that point. So, and I already had a new GI by then. He found me somebody um, to take care of me, and we scoped and we're like, "Yeah, there's disease." And I switched to Humira. And interestingly, that was the first time I got admitted because they they both said to me, both of my doctors or advisors said, "You should go in a hospital." get induced with IV steroids to try to get everything down like and then, or yeah, IV solumedrol and then get the high dose So I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, like nothing's working. Like, You're at your end here. So I had, like, and, I, and I was in my own hospital, so I had to be very secretive. About it. Of course, everybody knew. I, he promised me. He said, no one will know. Everybody, everybody knows. I was like
1: the first name.
2: <coughs> because in the hospital, our lists appear like anyone who's on service, you would get a list of everybody who's admitted to a GI doctor. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, this is not good. And then that's when I realized you can't keep this secret. Like there's absolutely no yeah. way. And there shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't have to. No. So people said, oh, are you okay? After when I came out, they didn't really say anything, but they just said, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? And the Humira sort of worked, but I was on steroids again. When I got off... And then I thought things were okay, IBS on top of everything. I had another abscess in 2014, I think it was. So we said, oh, then Humera clearly isn't working. It was a new, like a new fistula abscess. Oh. So when you have, and so that's when, you know, so then we changed my diagnosis to Crohn's because why am I keep getting fistulas? And, that, right. and it was a new fistula, despite being on this biologic. So then we said, well, this biologic is clearly not working. But that time I smartened up and I said, send me to a surgeon like I didn't I knew I had to go to merge because it was getting bad and I was feeling feverish but I said which hospital do I go to which surgeons on call and this time I had the IND the incision and drainage under anesthesia so they they put you under um, completely under and then they take a look and they do all their surgery and that one has never caused me problems again but the first abscess thing that I had it's the same site kept bothering me I kept getting repeated abscess and like self drainage and stuff so that's why my advice to any patient always is Ask go to for emerge surgery. for sure but if anyone's going to cut open anything it's got to be a surgeon right yeah. right um so then yeah so my diagnosis changed for sure and at that time because i failed my second biologic my gi said you need to talk to a surgeon about surgery this is in
0: 2014 so Around you 2014, just had surgery yeah
2: so i've had the, so you're asking about a journey like i've been on the road to surgery for quite a few years. Oh. And even in 2008, thinking back in Kingston, one of them told me, first time you're on prednisone, you always have to start thinking about surgery in case prednisone doesn't work or the next yeah. thing doesn't work. Yeah, so right. someone already talked to me about that. But at that time, in 2008, I was also So the cure was to get your colon out, get a pouch, like an internal pouch. Like mm-hmm. a J-pouch. J-pouch. So I was okay with that at that time, but then I got into biologics, and I was trying to get these biologics to work, and I was still thinking I was ulcerocleitis until, like, 2014, when they said, no, like, you're not. Because then I did see a surgeon, and he said, um, you had three abscesses now. Two are in different locations with two different fissures. You are not ulcerocleitis. I will not do a pouch in you. This is
0: crumbs. Yeah. and I, so, so when you had your surgery weeks ago, this wasn't, like, an emergency. It was semi-emergent
2: i'll tell you why too because i've heard
0: people who have been like go to emerge yeah. and they're like we're putting you into surgery
2: yeah like. and this is why it's important i think i learned and i learned and i said i realized that you cannot delay these things and and i i should not have delayed because i kept wanting like, that surgeon at that time told me i can do your surgery like just say whatever i want you to gain weight and stuff and we'll do your surgery but then then i got i was able to get off the market um stellara like yeah kid and I said, well, why don't we try that drug? And they got well, cause me that Well, because I drug. feel like
0: people always say, sur- they always feel surgery's laps- last option. Like, it's the, it's, I'm going to take these drugs, I'm going to try this well, drug, I'm going to try this medication. it's the finality
1: of, you know. Yeah, that's yes, it. because once you have surgery, that's it. That's it. 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 Right? Yeah. So we
2: tried that one. It worked for a bit. They escalated. They, they got approval to get extra doses. And then, then, I, then it failed because then I had another abscess. And I got put on antibiotics. It drained on its own. But then the antibiotics triggered Your C. diff. Athletic. Well, triggered C. Oh, C. diff. And yeah. Crohn's. Um, so I treated the C. diff. So that's also another important thing is that any patients who have diarrhea, you got to make sure you get checked out for, for C. infection.
0: And you're in quarantine. And then,
2: then at that time, there was another one that came on the market at that time, Antibio. Antibio yeah. So I, again, I said, well, let's you know, try was, it. Yeah, this <laughs> was like, try we can this. Do the <laughs> operation anytime. And I said, no, there's one more. I'm going to try this one more. But then went back on prednisone, got this new drug, and it seemed to work. And I was like, Yay! I found one that works. Got off prednisone, and everything seemed okay until a couple months ago, or six months ago, or whatever. My GI again said, Let's scope you before you move, because I had decided to move um, and start the clinic and stop here. And so,
1: sorry, just to stop there. So you were feeling pretty good. How long was the recovery there?
2: Um, so I started the interview August of. 2016. Okay. Got off the prednisone shortly after. So, like so you're October, about a year. So about a year. A year of health. Yeah. Which so, is no
1: small feat right. for somebody who's yeah. been suffering as and much as you And I was you like, have. you
2: know, I feel pretty okay on this thing, right? The only problem was I realized, too, that I never regained my weight, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Like, right. there's
2: some clues that maybe it never was was not working the way. And he always told me, he said, I always had a little bit of disease. I never saw my uh, colon, like, truly In remission. Right? Mm-hmm. Um. But it was as good as we can get it, so it was good. So I said, okay, time to move. You know, everything's good. And the date was already set for me to move and everything. But then I flew over twice in two months just to sort things out, eat different diet. I know this is what I think traveling, diet, yeah. everything. And then I said, oh, I said, I'm getting another abscess. He goes, no way. He said, I just scoped you and you're a mission. I'm like, no, I'm getting another abscess. And then lo and behold, I had another abscess and it self drained. He gave me a short course of antibiotics. And then I then I got worse and I said, you need to check me for C diff. It was negative. He shortened the antibio to every four weeks. And then he gave me cordium. So cordament is the new um, local steroids um, for colitis. And that didn't really work. I said, no, I something's not working. So he found a GI for me here and he got me in scoped, short scope. And I, I wanted to be awake, and I had to be awake because I didn't have anyone to drive me home. So <laughs> yeah, I watched this thing. You can't take the drugs if
0: you Yeah, you can't him. have
2: sedation if you're not if you're gonna drive yourself, because you can't drive yourself. So he said, "Oh," I said, "I bet you it's gonna be 20 centimeters disease." And he and so we, so he looked and goes, "Yeah, there's 20 centimeters of disease." I'm like, "Yeah, that's what I told you." And then he looked a little higher. He said, "Oh, and there's another patch higher up." And I was like, "Uh-oh, right, that doesn't like that's sound problems. good." Because Crohn's is patchy, right, and and if there's another patch uh, higher up, how much more could there be?
1: Right. So he
2: said, you need to come back and do a full colonoscopy under sedation, so you need to arrange, like, schedule and all that. So that was in November, so five months ago, I guess. And I said, okay, so we found a date. It was going to be January. And at that time, I wasn't having too many symptoms. I was having diarrhea, a little bit of blood, and, you know, that was it. December comes along and I start having more and more bleeding.
1: This is just this past December. Yes. Yeah. And more
2: and more bleeding. And I was running to the bathroom, I was timing everything, and I was rounding on patients on the wards. But, you know, the residents don't, didn't know. So I was like, I'll meet you guys like in 10 minutes, right? I'd go to the bathroom and I go round. And then over the holidays, because I was on holiday service. I realized I wasn't eating, I wasn't drinking, because every time I ate or drink, I you would to go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom and you
0: pain and blood right? and everything else.
2: But what really scared me was January 1st, I was having um, the New Year's brunch. There was one of the hotels nearby I was having a New Year's brunch. And my family was visiting. So I said, I'm going to have New Year's brunch with you, and then I'm going to go around with the residents. Because I was on call on January 1st. But I felt, I just started feeling really nauseous and vomit. Like, going to vomit. Puke. Like, yeah. I was going to puke. And I'm like, this doesn't happen to me. Something's wrong, right? I said, it's gotten to the point where I can't even eat. And then I emailed, no, sorry, I didn't email. I called my GI and left a message saying, I think I need to come in. I can't wait till the end of January for the scope and the surgery consult down the road. So his secretary got me in, like literally the next day. So I did my clinic. I had a short clinic, and then I saw him. But before I went to go see him, I stopped at home, ate a quick lunch because I was feeling really faint, grabbed my stuff and packed a bag. Because you knew. Because I knew. So I went to him, and he said to me, Vivian, Put yourself in my seat and you like switch roles. Right. What would you be What saying? would you say? And I said, I would admit the patient, possibly put them on steroids, get a surgery. And he said, Why steroids? And I said, Well, to buy time. And he said, But there's nothing else. Like, I've I've actually been on all the classes of biologics, every single yeah, one. Yeah, what are you buying time There's for? nothing else. What are you buying time for? And I said, I don't know. Like until trials, the next one right? out. <laughs> I heard there's one coming on the pipeline. And he said, there, no clinical trial will take you because you've already failed four biologics, all classes. And then he said, you can't stay on steroids forever. So you've already seen a surgeon in the past. I think it's time for surgery and I said yeah I said I packed my bags if you want to admit me today you can." she was (laughs) ready I'm actually ready are we doing this on Friday (laughs) and so it was sort of emergency but not really because then he he did call the surgeon and that surgeon saw me like right away in their clinic it just happened to be on the same day and they said well you know you could come back tomorrow and get admitted or you could just go to emerge and I I hate waiting in emerge but I told myself I feel too weak to go home by myself I can't walk home I'm just gonna go down to emerge and wait And then I waited, and then they admit, they give you fluids, IV fluids and all this, and I felt so much better after the IV fluids, and then, then I had another perineal abscess while I was in the hospital. And then, they they just show up like overnight. Like, I don't know. And I said to the residents that were rounding on me, I said, I have like a problem down there. You need to like take care of it. And they're like, well, you're gonna get surgery. So we'll just get it all out then. But I said, when are you doing the surgery? You're not doing it this weekend. You're not like, when? And then, then, they said, we want to wait for the laparoscopic surgeon, because like the one I saw doesn't do um, the laparoscopic surgery. And they said they thought it'd be better if I had laparoscopic, if there's a possibility. And luckily it was, because I wasn't so emergent that I had to have the surgery that weekend. So I just stayed on IV fluids, IV antibiotics. They gave me intravenous the t- TPN, so total parental nutrition. And then then I saw the surgeon who does laparoscopic and she was gonna be away for a bit for her own conferences and stuff and she has her own outpatient surgery list. So that's why it took like two weeks, I guess, before I got in. But it was actually good in retrospect because they told me because I was able like I wasn't as bad as like on blood work and stuff like that as we thought I would be, they were able to do the whole surgery at once. Otherwise they said if people Yeah, if people go in with emergency surgery or, like, very malnourished and they didn't have time to, like, give you
0: TPN and get you better, they would have to do a two-stage surgery. So they were able to remove your, like, your rectum, the anus, the whole large colon, and give you a stoma from the ileum in one surgery. surgery. Yeah,
2: and that's why it had to be timed properly um, from the surgery point of view because she also said this kind of surgery wouldn't want to do, like, on the weekend, like, Unless you had to, in which case it would be a staged surgery. Like, they would just take your colon out, give you a temporary ostomy, and then oh try to, you know. If you're going to do it, right. do it. So, yeah, so that's why, like, they planned it out, and she planned it out, and she got another surgeon to help because it's, like, a six-hour surgery. So they had two surgeons um, helping with, like, the resident helpers and stuff.
1: Neither of whom had IBD, so they didn't have, <laughs> have to take <laughs> right, time out, right. out, of the, yeah. out of the day to go to the
2: bathroom. <laughs> But, yeah, so that was quite an experience for me because, like, I know what these surgeries are, you yeah. know, like, I learned it and stuff. But, but to be, like, I didn't understand, like, how do you make a stoma? And so I was, like, Googling, how do they make a stoma? Yeah. I was asking the residents. How long remember. did you
0: stay in hospital post your surgery?
2: Uh, seven days. And that we, I, it could have been shorter, I realized, too, because I had it on a Thursday. And then, so of course, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So weekends, you get different people rounding right, around you that right, don't right. know, don't thing. really know the same stuff. And I was having all this pain, and <laughs> now I feel like an idiot because one, one of the pain is this pain in your right upper, uh, right upper quadrant going into your chest and down your right arm. So I thought I was having a heart attack. That's normal pain? Apparently, okay. apparently it can be a normal pain after laparoscopic surgery. And I didn't know that at that time, and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm dying! I'm having this pain." I said, "You guys have to look at this. I'm having a, either a heart attack, and it's atypical on the right hand side, or it's like a perforated, you know, something else, yes. not yes. right." Yeah, I said, right. "Something's <laughs> not right." And then the re- the resident that rounds was "Oh no, that's that's it's normal." Like, like, and I was like, "Okay, but why?" And, and I think they tried to tell me, but I didn't really clue in until later, like the Monday. <laughs> was it's um, air in? inside the trapped. belly like they try to suck away all the air afterwards ah. but there's still air inside your belly so it's not in your bowel so it's it's abnormal air and it irritates your diaphragm it and get out. so eventually you just absorb it but it takes time that's
1: crazy the body is insane But so, like, do you know what's really
2: hilarious so afterwards i get home and i start googling like crazy and trying to learn more about this so how could i it's have trapped half- air Apparently, it's common knowledge. I find it on, on these. She's <laughs> like, like, I'm a doctor and I didn't know <laughs> this. Like, I find it on patients. Like, you know, those, those patients forums? Yeah, yeah, and of course. And I found them so helpful. And, and I'm reading all these things. And, and I, f- I see these things from other patients saying, oh, yeah, like when I had the surgery, I had this pain. And then the surgeon told me it was this air under the diaphragm. So that was fine. You know, and I see these little tidbits here and there. But, and then I found one place in the United States, some hospital. And it actually explains it all about what to expect post-op. And it actually walks through like different kinds of so things.
0: We need to make sure this goes exactly. on a little card before you go in. Yeah. So, so that's why yeah, I right. said to
2: myself, I said, if I had known that, I wouldn't have kept asking for pain meds because I kept asking for pain meds. And then the so nurses- you went home earlier. Than I think days. so. The nurses were giving me like the morphine or hydromorphone oh, whatever it yeah, was, but yeah. that was making me nauseous. So then they would give me gravel and that would make me sleepy. So the entire like first, second day post-op, I wasn't doing much because I was so painful and nauseous and all this. But you're supposed to actually get up right away and move, and move around. So I want to change things because like if the if everybody had just told me just deal with that pain because it's like the morphine and dil dilata is not gonna help. You would
0: have mentally dealt I, with it. You, you would mentally that way. deal
2: with it, right?
0: And so, anyway. for, what's next for you is you're just you have to adjust to life with an ileostomy. Yes. And just, you know, getting used to in your your home care is running out, so you're yeah. gonna be on your own. Yeah. So the home, <laughs> So this is my other <laughs> advice to
2: patients too. Home care is limited. So if it's a permanent ostomy like, like like I had, use that like eight visits or eight weeks or whatever to the best. Meaning like Saves I worked I worked with my home care nurse and we tried different appliances, you know, oh. like, like when they sent you home from the hospital, whichever hospital you are at, I think they have some samples from um, whichever company gives them supplies. And that's what they use or whatever the their surgeons like to use is what you go home with. Right.
0: But that may not be the best it might not you. be the
2: best for you. And, and it might not be the one that you're comfortable with changing yourself and whatever. And so I've been through like five different types of, I don't know, six different types. And, you know, it may be different for someone who has a temporary ostomy because they only have it for three to six months or a year. But if you're going to live with this for the rest of your life, you, you, really you might to want to, something. right? And, and I wanted to try different ones while I had somebody that was constantly coming to check on it. Because your Absolutely, stoma yeah. doesn't have feeling, so so your actual stoma, endings.
0: there's no nerve endings no there, nerve
2: endings there yeah. so yeah. you don't know if you're damaging it or if something's happening to it. So that's why that's my other that's advice. What, uh, wow. what
0: Eric from Vegan Osmi was saying too, like you need to try different products and different adhesives and like. And that. his
2: website and his his podcast things are awesome, right? <laughs> like they were so helpful. I used them. I was like, oh okay, like
0: let me try that one.
1: Uh, Vivian, that's amazing you know, thank
0: you so much for sharing your very difficult journey and you it's know
1: difficult it's journey. difficult but also uh it's really nice that really like, i love uh having a doctor in yes. because your memory of your the progression of your disease and all of your treatments is so precise you I know mean. like it's like There's then this a... happened then this was my reaction <laughs> to that like that's really she also
0: gave that tip to like she said it you don't try to make your timeline yeah yeah and and anyone anyone with
2: chronic disease
0: and include in that timeline what's happening in your life don't just include disease and medicine but like what was happening like you had talked a lot about moving and traveling and Stress and I think school. that's so
2: important you don't need a medical degree or anything because no one knows that disease no one knows your disease better
1: than yourself. that's right, Absolutely. right? And so you, you must advocate, so you have to for, advocate yourself. for yourself you know that's uh, I, it, it's it's very um, uh, empowering for me to hear that because the biggest problems that I've had and I I think my biggest takeaway lesson I've always said this to Chantal mm-hmm. is I realized what an impact stress had in my life and my body would respond. The second Mm -hmm. I put myself in a situation, even if I wasn't consciously acknowledging how much stress I was under, my body knew. Mm -hmm. That you are under stress. But I would talk to doctors about that because I was diagnosed in the early 80s. I would talk to doctors about stress and they would say, well, that's a symptom of it. It's not necessarily preceding it. Yes, but there's no... Question for me that the stress would kick p- mine up. It kicks mine yes, up. Yes, the stress would come ahead of my stress. Will d-
0: kick my kick up me, kick me into a deeper flare because I've been, mm-hmm. I've been, I've never been in remission in 11 years. Um, it would kick mine, it kicks mine up more than any food, yeah. any yeah. medication stress
1: it just I, I don't know if it actually activates it or just creates the perfect pressure cooker for your disease yeah. like the perfect scenario
2: so actually and if we're going to talk about it in another podcast but <laughs> yes I we think are. Your science now is telling us and, and like when we study in other chronic diseases and stuff that stress does change um, microbiome. Inf- yeah microbiome the inf- the uh, cytokines inflammation in the body um, it changes hormones and stuff mm-hmm. and so it probably is doing something to possibly trigger more inflammation but then it also is aggravating symptoms as well yeah right so it's probably both
0: so you know us, say guts and glory lisa and i and everybody else behind our scenes here and all of our ibd warriors on our facebook and listening to our podcast we wish you a speedy recovery of an open armed acceptance into this new life that we hope there are no more abscesses my lord if you get another one no more abscesses we no visualize
1: more. a million donut shaped pillows having <laughs> <trying> to <laughs> gently caress your area that has been affected and support you through
0: and that you find the appliance recovery. that you need and i really do hope that like you get to i don't want to say a new normal like i really hope you get to a a point in your life where you, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff anymore. Exactly. We know, too, <laughs> we know. you're going to yeah.
1: be able to provide uh, insight to your patients that, you know, so. are just going to be incredibly helpful. Yeah,
2: thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for That's being so here. Good. Strength and positive thoughts. <laughs> Until next time.